You're listening to Slow Theology, Simple Faith for Chaotic Times, with A.J. Swoboda and E.J. Gupta. Welcome back. Um, for those of you that listen to the podcast um, faithfully and try to get get an episode in the week or two after it comes out, um, AJ and I kind of took the summer off. We've been busy traveling and time with family uh, and other things, but we're excited to slow down and um, start talking together as as the fall uh, summer wanes and the fall um, is is going to ramp up for our academic year. Um, and we're just excited that people are still listening to the podcast because we started this a couple years ago, just as two, uh, believers, um, seeing other people struggle their faith and we have our own struggles and just want to provide some reflection, encouragement. Um, so we're excited that people are continuing on this journey with us. Um, today's topic as AJ and I just ponder, like, what do we want to talk about? What is important? What, and we're, especially in this phase of slow theology where we're kind of just going back to the basics of Christianity. We're allowing kind of a reset for people who are experiencing deconstruction, reconstruction, and, you know, how do I do this Christian faith thing in a healthy way? Uh, we're going to do a couple episodes on what, what are called the sacraments, these special things that the early Jesus and the early Christians gave us to help us stabilize, uh, reinforce our faith. So today's topic is baptism. And, um, you know, I think a lot of Christians just think they know what baptism is and you go to church and you get immersed or sprinkled in some way. But I just love going back to scripture, back to early Christianity and just figure out what is this thing? What is it for? Um, so, AJ, um, you know, you open up the book of Acts where you just have a whole lot of baptisms, thousands of baptisms. And what you see there is people just being immersed in water. So the apostles are running around preaching the gospel and they say to somebody, you know, here's what Jesus is all about. And they say, yes. And then the apostles say, why not be baptized? And then they get baptized and then they move on. Um, is baptism just sort of like praying the sinner's prayer where you're just like, okay, has something to do with water, get baptized. And now I start this thing. Um, what's your take on baptism? What's it all about? Well, let me tell, let me tell a story. So I, um, Nijay, it's so good to be back with you, by the way. Great to yes. hear your voice. And I hope you've had a great, uh, a great summer. Um, I certainly have. Uh, I was at a really interesting, uh, little event, uh, just a few, um, days ago, actually, I was, in, I was invited to go back to the, the little college ministry that I used to pastor in, in Eugene, Oregon, where my wife and I lived when we first got married. Um, uh, we live now, we'd come back after 10 years in Portland, but we had been pastoring this, uh, this really awesome college ministry called the Onyx house. Mm. We were there for about 10 years, a uh, really remarkable, fruitful season of time. Uh, and uh, one of the cool things about reunions, and this was a reunion from kind of a sliver of time from that season of our life uh, one of the cool things about reunions is that you get to see people you haven't seen for a long time. And you also get to see how just the choices people have made. And, and, you know, I, I always remembered about um, my first high school reunion, how much I hated it, uh, my 10 year right. reunion. And I hated it because everybody came back to this reunion. Uh, <laughs> everybody came back like just so like confident that they are just killing it. And like, yeah, it was yeah. just this big show off fest. And it was really hard for me because I didn't feel like I had a whole heck of a lot to like report on. 
And then um, the twenty, if they could the, only see you now. Yeah, yeah, if they could. <laughs> yeah, if they could only right the gl- the glory, they could only see now. But the but but the 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 other reunions are are way better because by that time, you know, when you're at twenty twenty five, like everybody's just botched it enough, <laughs> right. nobody comes with any kind of pride. You know, right. you're just like I I gone through this you know painful divorce. I you know had an affair. I, I lost my job. I, everybody's got enough scars at that point. Um, to, but reunions for me create some anxiety. This was a really refreshing reunion. And at the reunion was a young woman who years ago, uh, when I was a college pastor, I had baptized. Um, she had met uh, Jesus at this college ministry and we had this horse trough in the backyard and I had baptized her nearly, this is, you know, 25, 20 years ago, whatever. Sure. Yep. <laughs> And she she beelined it when she saw me. She beelined it right right to me, and just threw her arms around me, and was in tears and and was so full of gratitude um, for that season of her life and what God had done for her, and met her in that moment in time. Wow. And I w- I was sort of whisked back to the moment that she was baptized, and I I guess I had this little epiphany that. The, baptism is a really important thing for a variety of reasons. You know, being mm-hmm. baptized in, in water, being brought out of the water. It's important for a lot of reasons. One of them being that it signifies, you know, our love for God and it's a public declaration. But right. I think the second thing that, that why it's so important is that it's, it's a baptism into, into the church. Right. You see, for this young woman, had I just led her to Jesus and then just said goodbye, like, well, she had an encounter with God with me. But the minute she was baptized, she was like all of a sudden immersed in this covenant community of right. the church. And because of that, the, you know, this young woman has been following Jesus for 20 years, faithfully being a part of her community or church. And I've been no part of that. And right. I think baptism is so critical for. Uh, especially in Western kind of enlightenment and individualist cultures is that it essentially is, it's a rebuttal to individualism. And it says, you don't, you don't follow Jesus by yourself. You don't do this solo. You are a part of a really big story. You are being baptized into the same story of Abram. You're being baptized into the same story as Moses. You're being baptized into the same story as, um, as Peter, as Matthew, as, that you become a, you're written into the family tree. And, and in, in essence, baptism, it's not that you lose your personality or your individualism, but you become a part of a really big river and you're no yeah. longer your own. And it is, it is the church. We, we are entering into the church, Paul's language, right? In Ephesians, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yep. yep. That we are entering into this one faith that is, that transcends time and history and me. And I think if that young woman were on our podcast today, she'd be the first to say that the church has discipled her. I have not. And while I may have baptized her, it has been the church that has carried this young woman to become this beautiful saint who is loving God in, in her, in her own world. And so, so, so baptism to me is, is critical in our moment in time where we, we, Oh, we tend to overplay the, the mere individual aspects of our faith. I believe, as important as that is, right? When we say "I believe," 
we are simultaneously saying that we believe and that this is not my faith. It is our faith in the presence of Jesus. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just just as you're talking, I'm thinking about, um, you know, why water? Why, why is water so important? Obviously, it symbolizes purity, you know, being transformed by Christ. Um, you know, you have the death and the resurrection. I think of Romans 6, you mentioned Ephesians, very similar. We have been buried with him by baptism into death, Romans 6, 4. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in the newness of life. And so um, wh- another reason I think it's so important is these um, rites of passage. My wife and I have these conversations sometimes about our kids and how um, it's so important for people to have these moments that signal yeah. life change. Yeah. Right? So my son had eighth grade promotion. We didn't have anything like this growing up where you graduate from middle school into high school. Like in some ways it's kind of silly. Like it's like graduating from kindergarten, you know, it's, it's not the same thing as finishing high school, but I love any opportunity to signal kind of, Hey, you've reached a certain age and we have like driver's license becoming an adult. You know, we have some of those things in American kind of government, um, the way we do laws and and culture, but Christians have, you know, baptism, which is kind of day one of the rest of your life. And I, I think even though I try to explain to people, it's not mystical in the sense that the water is magical. I think part of Christianity is the water isn't magical. <laughs> yeah. It's actually important that you know that nothing is different about this water than the water that comes from your tap. Like you don't get it from a special holy store unless it's like, to keep it from getting germs or something you, it's it's intended to be regular water because jesus is with you no matter what the water is yep, yep. and i think that's really powerful but i i really value these rites of passage um even for our own kids thinking about their baptisms um just whatever their life whatever they're going through they can look back at that as a new beginning to their life and they've been severed Yep. from the bondage of their of their previous life. I think that that is really powerful. Yeah, and it's a, it's a rite of passage that um th- that would have symbolized more um probably in the first couple hundred years of the church there there would have been some symbols or I shouldn't say symbols but that it 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 carries with it more than just being dunked in water. I, I, right. So let me give you some examples. Um, for the earliest Christians, when when the earliest Christians would be uh, would be would be baptized, first of all, you you would go through, and we've we've actually talked, you and I have talked about this in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. But the earliest Christians would go through, in many cases, a year and a half, two year long process, yeah. where they would become catechumens, where they would essentially go through a discipleship process for, in in some cases, up to two years, and it would culminate in uh the uh, the Easter vigil gathering where you would mm-hmm. they would the, the person being baptized would recite scripture they would take their first communion uh they'd never up to this point received communion and then one of my favorite parts is that they would in early church baptisms they would do a full on exorcism wow right they would they yeah. would cast the demons out because i mean it, they it was somebody going from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light Sure. They were transitioning from death to life. And so you got to get the demons out of them. And mm. then you would spit 
to the east as a way of spitting on Satan, saying, uh, you, you don't have authority over us. All right. the symbolism, and then you'd be baptized. And uh, there's actually significant uh, historical evidence that in the first couple hundred years that when people would become Christians, they would not go down to the water in these white robes, um, you know, in, in warm bathtubs like we have in our churches, but right, that right. they would actually be, they would strip naked and be baptized naked. Yeah. And, and the reason, the rationale behind the naked baptisms was that uh, in so entering the waters of baptism, you were returning to the shameless state of the garden. Yeah. As the man and the woman were naked, you're naked once again. And so the coming to Jesus was a representative, it was a representative marking of you going back to an Edenic space and, and mm-hmm. that you were no longer needing uh, to be clothed. Now, we rightfully so don't practice naked baptisms in our churches right. now, but but the symbolism there, just imagine um, the the power of 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 you know standing in front of a group of people naked going down into the water and and returning to um your state of shamelessness i mean it's it's powerful you know you can have as many criticisms and i'm going to bet anybody else would agree with me on this who is trying to follow jesus you can have all the criticisms you want of the church but when you go to church and you see people get baptized it makes your heart so happy oh, i can yeah. i cannot see people get baptized without tearing up yeah. Um, it, because it bring it doesn't it it just it's almost like it it brings you back to why we're doing this whole thing it brings us back Absolutely. to the reason and the rationale of what okay but so can i i want to i want to throw a bit of a a wrench in this okay. and i want to and i want to say something to you Nijay, that you may completely disagree with. <laughs> Let's okay, do you it. You and I tend to be, we're, we're quite ironic with one another. There, sure. We've disagreed from time to time. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a law about her, and I want to I get your take on this. I actually think it's really um, not dangerous, but I, I think there could be some problems with somebody getting baptized immediately upon believing. And I see this in a lot of churches, immediate baptism, where you you believe in Jesus and at the service, sure. you, you get baptized. Yeah. Or at the gathering, you get baptized. And before I play devil's advocate to what I'm saying right here, I want to I wanna say, I, I worry a little bit about that. Yeah. And I worry a little bit about it because, I mean, this is slow theology, I worry a little bit that that makes really really knee-jerk Christians mm-hmm. who make really quick decisions without taking seriously the true call to follow Jesus, which is a very difficult call. And when you do the immediate baptism, Nije, I worry that we are not fully appreciating that we are actually saying through hell and high water, I'm going to follow Jesus through everything, that his ways are above my ways, right. that what he says trumps what I say. That's a big thing to live under. And I think if we're going to make those kinds of decisions, there's brilliance in the fact that the early church took a year and a half to make these, uh, yeah, to, you, yeah. you would go through a process because it weeds out the people that aren't super serious. Yeah. Okay. Respond to my potentially silly claim. No, what do you I think? Mean, what do you think? I, I, I've seen, and maybe this has been in the news. I can't remember where I saw it, where it's been kind of hyped up and maybe, um, there were some planned baptisms, but they didn't announce them ahead of time. And then this preacher says, you know, Hey, you know, who wants to be baptized? And then the planned ones come forward. And then that inspires a lot of other people. So 
it's kind of like the Billy Graham thing where when Billy Graham would do the altar call when he's in these big stadiums and he'd do the altar call, the staff people would come down and people were thinking those were altar call people. Mm. And then more people would come down. It was kind of a strategy of kind of just priming the pump. And that I think is a problem if that's the way baptism is done, where it's kind of a little bit of a show. Um, you know, I, I, I feel a tension there um, because uh, on the one hand, I'm totally with you that this can't just be um, just the sort of show that you put on like, okay, I'm going to get baptized, but I might change my mind tomorrow. Like it's a serious thing. And I feel like this is what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace to say, "Eh, I get baptized. If you change your mind, that's fine. Like this is a serious commitment. I kind of think of it like marriage where like those people that just get married at the casino chapel in Las Vegas. I mean, you know, how many of those marriages survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't have counseling. They haven't, you know, learned enough about the other person. Uh, at the same time, like, could the gospel upon first hearing just so overwhelm somebody that they're just ready to dive in? Like that, like they would benefit from just making this big commitment. Um, I don't, I don't know if the problem is exactly how we do it as much as what we teach that what bap- what baptism is. Yep. And you know, I, just as you were talking about the early church. And how celebratory it was and how culminational it was. What if we treat it more like a wedding? So think how much, especially like a 20-something getting married, right? Yep. Think how much investment we put in a wedding. Planning and, yeah. Planning and celebrating and people flying in. And it's like sometimes multiple days. And, you know, I'm not saying it has to cost a lot to do a baptism. But this idea that, like, this is a huge deal. Like we break out the fancy clothes for this or like we, you know, what I don't like is when it's just sort of a few seconds in a service. Yeah. Like at the church I go to, they dedicate a whole service to in the evening and it's not a kind of drive by thing. I really appreciate that because um, it's, so I guess I would say I'm less concerned with the when and more with just making sure we understand exactly what it is. Like this is a big, deal this is a big commitment that you don't just make because other people are doing it or because this is a box to check in my christian list of things to do yeah yeah when the 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 aspect that i really appreciate that you're you're bringing out here is um it's okay yes there are instances in which immediate baptism is appropriate you and i both have a, a well enough understanding of the, the story of the book of Acts to know that stories like the Ethiopian eunuch and Cornelius' right. household, they believe and are immediately baptized as a result of their love for Jesus, that that is an appropriate uh, response to want to go through uh, that, that experience uh, out of faithfulness to God. But when we do it, when we do it without appropriately being taught what the gravity of this thing is all about, Years ago, I remember when we would do welcome to, we would do these welcome to church dinners where we would invite possible um, people who wanted to be a part yeah. of our church and they'd come over to our house for dinner. And it was basically a way of like telling people about the church. And I had this weird um, sort of, I learned something. And that is that for the first couple of years, this was when we were, when we were pastoring for the first couple of years, basically those welcome to church dinners would basically be us selling the church. 
Mm. You know, this is what's awesome about us. This is what you can expect. <laughs> These are the goods and services that we put out. And the, and the result was, oddly enough, many, most of the people that came to those did not stick. They, yeah. they just did not. They did not stay, oddly enough. Now, that part of that could be that when you start a church, like you have a lot of people who come and a lot of people go. But around year three, we made a switch. And in those Welcome to Theophilus, Welcome to Church Dinners, we, sh- we switched it. And we actually started using the Welcome to Church Dinners as a way to try to tell people why they should find another church. No. And we told them <laughs> everything that was wrong with our community, from uh, it wasn't flashy to our programs or subpar uh, to the preaching is okay. Like we would just, we, we would just tell people all the things that we perceive to be wrong. And right. Nijay, I'm not kidding you. From that point on, the percentage of people that came to the welcome dinners who were highly committed to the church proliferated like crazy. Yeah, And I, I'm convinced it was because you weed people out who aren't serious when you, when you have to go through the reality of the situation and that when people know what they're getting themselves into, they're way more committed than if they don't know what they're getting themselves into. My concern, I agree with you. My concern would be that when we do immediate baptisms, um, we haven't appropriately invited people into what it is like to carry your cross. Right. And the result is quick baptisms make quick, uh, apo- uh, quick um, you know, de- deconversions and de- deconverts. Because when when we don't know what it is that we're getting ourselves into, we tend to make quick decisions rather than deep decisions. Well, you know, exactly. And, you know, this is probably a conversation for another time. But, you know, back when, when I was young, they used to have church membership. Have, do you remember these old yeah, days this was a thing. Yes. of church membership? And they got rid of church membership probably because it was unappealing for a lot of people to kind of feel tied down or whatever. And I'm okay with not having church membership since there's nothing specifically about that in the Bible. But um, maybe we threw out commitment also, you know, yeah, with yeah. that. Like I remember when I was leading a, a a student ministry, the theology club at a university, and I had a few leaders, and I kind of wanted to kind of get a commitment from them. You know, these are young, you know, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. And I said, hey, would you guys – and there's hesitancy there. And I thought, man, they like coming. They are natural leaders. I said, what's the deal? And they said, well, we're involved in 20 clubs, and we can't be the leaders of all of them. And I'm thinking, wow, like, I think in the 21st century, it's just common for people to mm. just be involved mm. in a lot of things. Yep. And the idea of really honing in – and saying, this is my thing, yep. um, is hard for people. And I think baptism is that kind of decision. Like, this is going to be who I am. Yep. Like, this is going to be my life. And yes, I can still play pickleball. And yes, I can still go to my favorite coffee shop. And, you know, I, I, I could still have other things in my life, but this is my main thing. It's like getting married. Yep. Right? It's like settling down with one person, Jesus. <laughs> yep, yep. And I think that's that's led to... I think some misunderstandings, baptism. Let me, let me ask you this. I've talked to people over the years that were baptized maybe as a teenager because they were at a conference or there was a youth group push for it. And then they kind of backslid and maybe in their thirties or something or forties, there was a kind of revival of their faith and they're questioning 
whether that baptism they had um, was meaningful because maybe their heart wasn't in it or they were pushed into it. And maybe they're wondering either was it illegitimate or should I get baptized again? Yep, I'm yep. sure you came across this yeah. or, uh, or before. That, What's your take on that? Or add to that uh, people from communities that practice pedo-baptism or baby baptism. Yeah, that's um, right. Which is that's if right. you're baptized you know, as an unknowing child um, yeah. and then grow up you know, and, and have your own spiritual awakening in Jesus, do you need to get baptized again uh, in, term, in light of, of the fact that you have this, this new faith? Right. I'll, I'll tell you, Nijay, and, and this may alienate some of our listeners. Uh, I feel wildly uncomfortable hmm. personally with rebaptizing Christians. Yeah. And, and the reason that my reason is actually more historical than anything else. Hmm. I don't like the message it sends right. that Jesus only works as long as I'm the one doing the baptism. Right. Actually, actually, one of the, I think you, if some, how can you tell if something's a cult? It's a really interesting question. How can you tell? Like, what are the signs of a cult? Um, then Kool-Aid. There's always Kool-Aid in, in a cult. There's a disproportionate amount of right. Kool-Aid. No, I mean, as far as I can tell, the single greatest sign of a, of, of a cult is that a cult will always say, you have to be baptized in their church to be right. saved. Right, which is brilliant, brilliant marketing. Yeah, horrible theology. Yeah. Because what that says is that God's span of influence cannot exist outside of my own movement. Right. And I fear that when I rebaptize somebody, what that's saying is God only works when you're here and not elsewhere. So right. I will generally, in pastoral work, I will ask that person in your baptism at that moment. Were you able to fully declare your love for Jesus? And if the answer is no, then I would say, let's baptize you again. Yeah. But if the answer is yes, I would say you're, you're good. You're good to go. Because the point of a baptism is a public declaration of an inward faith. But nowhere should we come to the conclusion that baptism is salvific in its sense, in itself, in the sense that when I do it, I'm saved. Baptism is like a wedding ring. It doesn't mm. make a marriage, but it does point to the fact that you're married. And so yeah. I, I, generally speaking, am uncomfortable with rebaptizing people, but there have been instances where it was a necessary thing to do in light of the fact that their heart was not in some previous uh, baptism experience. I'll tell you what I will not do is rebaptize over and over and over again every time somebody walks away from Jesus and comes back as right. though as though baptism is some sort of recharging space for right. us to come back to and, and re reconnect. That's not the point of baptism. And I think there, there would be a lot of issues with that. What do you think about that? Those, that's how I would think about it. Yeah. I mean, I like what you're saying. It's a case by case. And if the person, you know, if their heart really wasn't in it, you know, I mean, in my mind, I'm, I'm a believer's baptism kind of person, you know, what you're doing according to scripture is making a full, confession of faith and commitment and um it's it's a one-off i mean it's a one-time thing just like you don't get remarried yeah you can renew your vows which yep. you can also do as a christian nothing wrong with that yep right say your prayers tell jesus you love him there's nothing wrong with that but but baptism is a ritual of initiation you're being yep. welcomed as you say into the family of god 
Um, and you would probably, even the apostle Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize anyone except these few people. Cause I, he didn't want to create a, a cult, just like you're saying around who got baptized by Paul, who yeah. got baptized by AJ. Like you don't want it to be about that. And I feel like churches sometimes get so focused on brand. Like you're talking cults, but I'm watching the Hillsong yeah. <laughs> documentary for better or for worse. I'm watching the Hillsong documentary and you know, you talk about brand and you talk about exclusive branding and these things are really messy. And so your baptism counts anywhere and everywhere as long as you were focused on Jesus. I mean, that's that's the way it works. It's about Jesus, not about you. Yep. And it's not only anywhere and anywhere, meaning meaning it goes with you where you go. It, yep. it baptizes your whole life. And I yep. think this, this is actually where baptism is confrontive because it, it actually is a, a signpost that we are relinquishing our own authority over our own lives. Meaning I don't get to do with my money, everything I want to do now. I don't get to do with my thoughts, everything I, every, everything I want to do now. I don't get to do with my schedule, everything. I am being baptized in the way of Jesus, meaning I'm handing my ways over to Jesus. I don't remember who it was. Somebody had shared with me at one point that um, when the crusaders um, would go uh, fight uh, the infidels during the, the crusades, right. the, the, the crusaders, when they, would, when they would go into battle, they would do baptisms right before their, 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 their battle. And uh, obviously, because many of them would die and they wanted to sort of shore up things on the other side. Um, but that there, there are all of these accounts in church in, 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 in the, the crusade period where uh, the, the fighters would go down into the water but they would hold their swords above the water as a way of saying, you can have all of me, but you can't have my sword. And whether that's apocryphal or it's not, um, we all do that. (laughs) We we all, we all are uh, complicit in saying to Jesus, listen, God, I will go down into the waters, but I'm going to hold my, I'm going to hold my money above the water. I'm going to hold my sexuality above the water. I'm going to hold um, my politics above the water. And that's not a baptism. A baptism, yeah. you that you you have to go fully under the water, and and come out. It's not partial. You must go all the way down, every last bit of you. And I love that in our church, we actually do this thing where you're supposed to hold your hands together right in front of your chest, as yeah. I think a cool little symbol that you're not allowed to hold anything above the water. You must go down with both hands clasped. You yeah. can't hold anything up. I like that. You, One you, last thing before we wrap up. Yeah. Um. You know, I bet there are people listening who um, were baptized, let's say, as a teenager, young person, and they've left that community. Maybe it was um, just unhealthy, or there was a scandal there, or they've just deviated from that theology. So they're feeling this awkward nostalgia of, I was baptized as a young person, but I, I'm i not part of that community. And I just want to say, that's okay. Like, I look at the Apostle Paul, for example— he was baptized, it looks like, by Ananias, who kind of hated his guts. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord told Ananias to preach the gospel to Paul, you know, with his member, the, the scales fall off of his eyes. And it says, you know, he laid hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, has sent me to may again your sight be filled with the spirit. Immediately, scales fell from his eyes, sight was restored. He got up and was baptized. So Ananias, who's like gritting his teeth, mm. is like, I will baptize him. But he's killed a whole lot of Christians. And, you know, we don't hear from Ananias again. So they're not like buddies. So, you know, it's I just want to just kind of release people who are listening that, you know, you don't have to feel guilt about that. 
um, your baptism transfers <laughs> yes. with you. And I think of people like Anna, uh, of uh, Priscilla and Aquila who were traveling church planters, and they left their community over yes. and over again. Yes. And just just know you're going to find another group, another community that um, that cares for you, and it, and it's okay to to have left that original community if that needed to happen. Yeah. Can I can I end can I end this with this yes, one of my my favorite Martin Lutherisms. Um, Luther, uh, early 1500s had this whole thing that he would tell Christians. This was one of his favorite things to tell people is he would say, when you get up in the morning and you wash your face, remember your baptism. Hmm. I like that. That everywhere you go, as you, as you wake up every day and cover your face, may it be a little sacrament of the day, uh, to remember that moment when God saved you and loved you and welcomed you into his kingdom. And that the church said to you, as Ananias did to Saul, brother, welcome to the family. Yeah. Welcome to the family. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, DJ, let's, uh, I think in our next episode, uh, we're going to talk about communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, and talk a little bit about some of the sacraments. Um, but but baptism is a powerful event. And anybody that's listening that feels a, a certain call, talk to your pastor about it and, and invite them into the conversation um, and see where God may, may lead you. Absolutely.